0: This is the Improviser podcast, and I'll introduce Carol Finer, also known as Carol Chant. She's an artist, musician, and performer based in London. She does lots of drawing, painting, and printmaking when not obsessively playing bluegrass music <laughs> on her five-string banjo. She is an original member of the Scratch Orchestra, formed in 1969, and she hosts a radio show on Resonance FM. Now,
1: that could be accurate or not. Carol, is that? Um, it's almost actual, and I know you've been into Bridget and Laurie's website, where they put it was bluegrass music, and it's not. That's quite important. Okay. It's old. Um, it's known as old-time Appalachian music. It's different. It's very different from bluegrass.
0: That's good to know.
1: That's the only difference. Okay. And if you're an old time music player, you do not like to be uh, um, associated with bluegrass players.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's fine. Well, we know that now. Um, So I'm interested in finding out how you first started to play
1: because I had to learn the piano as a child, but I wasn't very good at it, and I didn't do much with music at all. Um, And then a long time later, because I'm an artist, and I went with a friend, 1967, something like that, um, the Merce Cunningham Dance Troupe came over, and uh, I went with my friend because the uh, backdrops, the scenery was by Rauschenberg, who was a wonderful painter. So we went to see these huge Rauschenberg um, backdrops and see the dancing and the music, which we weren't that interested in. But then it was John Cage music, which I had never heard of. I never knew anything like experimental music ever existed before. And we were completely knocked out by it, by the whole performance, by the dancing, by everything. And we booked and went two nights running. And then, I must have been teaching at London College of Printing, and um, I saw on the notice board an advertisement, a little piece of paper, very small, that said experimental music class at Morley College, uh, being run by Cornelius Cardew. And... I had a connection with Cornelius because his mother, Mariel Cardew, had taught me art at school, right. at my uh, grammar school. So I thought, oh, well, yes, I sort of know core, because uh, I was a bit frightened, but I thought, I want to know more about this music, which I didn't know existed until that year. And so I went off down to Morley College, which is just down the road from the uh, um, Elephant and Castle, where... At London College of Printing was, is, and uh, joined the class. And it, it started then. And what the best thing was from that class is you didn't have to be a trained musician. That was the big thing, and it was the same with the scratch orchestra, that you could... I think I was always a frustrated musician and thinking, well, unless you're clever at playing something, you couldn't do it.
0: So what was your first instrument? Was this was this the first time you were playing an instrument
1: at this class, um,
0: or was there something before that?
1: I'm not sure. I, I did have a banjo, which I could not play at all well, but I had a banjo way back then, and it was a funny short-armed, five strings, but short-armed um, with a wooden resonator back. Uh, it was known as a Windsor Zither banjo, almost impossible to play. Uh, properly, in inverted commas, Um, but it was very good if you had a... I had a violin, uh, a really old wreck of a violin and a bow, and I could bow the banjo. I could also bang the back of it with a wooden back, with drumsticks, and I used the banjo to make really weird sounds, as I still do sometimes. Uh, And also, one could use a saucepan and a marble rolled round and a chair leg and bang on the floor. And uh, we all did all those things, and Cornelius said it was fine, you could do all that. Did the ideas
0: come from being in the class?
1: Class was about composing as well as playing, and we all used to write compositions for each other, um, very simple ones, and... uh, Sometimes we would play proper compositions, Um, uh, Christian Wolfe or or Cage himself or people like that. We would play other people's experimental music compositions. Quite often they would be uh, graphic scores. So there again, if you were an artist, you could make your score graphic. You didn't have to use notes. So... That was it. You could be a musician without being trained in anything.
0: And did you meet people in the class that you um, started
1: collaborating with? Yes, because the class was very much working together. We would work on somebody's composition and we would perform it. And um, there were other artists in the class. Um, Stella did she didn't come very often because she had to look after the children at home. Uh, but sometimes Stella would come, um, Tim Mitchell is another artist, uh, Dave Jackman. There were a lot of artists and performance people. Stefan Zelkin was really a performance artist. And then there were real musicians, the proper ones. Uh, there were quite a few of them.
0: Who who were they at the time? Do you remember um,
1: Chris Hobbs, Michael Parsons, Howard Skempton... Uh, John Tilbury, uh, Dave Smith. I shouldn't leave any out because they might get terribly insulted (laughs) uh, if I forget them. Um, Well, that'll do for now.
0: (laughs) And and so what came from the class? Did you then start performing in London?
1: Um, Really, that class, it might have done one or two internal Morley College performances, um, but... What was happening at the same time as we were doing the class was that Cornelius was writing uh, The Great Learning. Um, and The Great Learning required a lot of people. And so when he'd got a, a paragraph of The Great Learning done, he would try it out on us at the experimental music class. But it wasn't enough. He had to have a lot more people. And that was when The Scratch Orchestra came into being because he put an advertisement in the Musical Times or somewhere or other and said, would you come and meet anyone who's interested in joining a scratch orchestra uh, to perform a large work? And then all these people came from nowhere and everywhere and up to a 100 members at any one time.
0: And were they a mixture of musicians and yes, artists? Yes, they were just the same as the
1: experimental music class, right. uh, where they would just come from anywhere and not necessarily uh, musicians. Hugh Shrapnel, there's another <laughs> of the real musicians. And what, what year was this? <laughs> the Scratch Orchestra probably started in 1968 or 9, right. and then, you see, we did start performing because once we were the Scratch Orchestra... Um, that's what we did. We, we the first year we did probably I don't know if that was 1969 when we started performing, but we did five or six town hall concerts. Hampstead Town Hall, Chelsea Town Hall. Uh, we we found these town halls and performed why? in them. Was, why
0: why town halls? But I don't know. They happened. were just a
1: nice big space yeah. and they probably didn't cost much in those days. Um, I don't know how we ever got any money. I think Corr used to get money out of people like the Arts Council. Not a lot, but sometimes he would get money um, because the concerts never paid for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but people did come to see them. Um, I think there might have been more people in the orchestra <laughs> than there were audience. Right. And sometimes the audience didn't stay. They would stomp off in disgust. Um, we did a concert at the Queen Elizabeth Hall, and it was called Beethoven Today. Um, and there we were on the stage, different people in different groups doing all manner of terrible things to Beethoven, uh, wonderful things, I should say. And then I'd certainly somebody in one of the first rows stomped off. In a fury, and it wasn't his fault because Beethoven. Today, what what could that mean? Mm. It might have meant anything. So, uh, but that I think there was quite a few people who did stay to that concert.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in terms of composing, what kind of influences? What who were you listening to at that time? Well,
1: because I wasn't so involved with experimental music until then. I suppose I uh I would have just been discovering people like Christian Wolff and Morton Feldman and John Cage and all the others who we got to perform now and then we I mean, we went the year of the Munich games in Germany um when um the Israeli team were oh yes uh, hijacked and killed and all the rest of it. We were there. We were invited there. We must have been paid to go there. To the Olympics? Um, To the Olympics. And we played on the Olympic (gasps) Strada. That's amazing. We were there. Um, What were you playing? And... and What piece? Well, uh, one thing we played was... um, What did we play? We played compositions by all sorts of people. Um, Michael Chant wrote a piece that we played... Um, Cornelius wrote a piece. We also played When I'm Cleaning Windows. Uh, I did the banjo on that, which should have been a ukulele, but I played the banjo, and John Tilbury sang the song. We got a huge applause for that. Um, So it wasn't
0: experimental at that point?
1: Well, it was still experimental, but um, we were allowed to play other things. Uh, There were subgroups there, Uh, there was... Hugh Shrapnel's wooden metal band and his wooden metal band, which I was in, um, played all sorts of um, big band stuff, proper music, as it were, uh, with proper chords that you had to learn. So I did have to learn a few chords for the banjo.
0: Moving forward, we're going to listen to something, um, Mm -hmm. a little bit of something that you've brought with you. So this is a more recent... Yes. um,
1: I mean, we don't have anything from the way back past from the scratch orchestra, but I wouldn't know. I wouldn't recognise what I was playing. I mean, there would be all of us there, um, uh, and so at least in these modern recordings, even then I can't always know where it's me and where it isn't me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: we're going to listen to something. This is this was in Portugal and this recording and it was with some members of the it was
1: orchestra. we were asked to go out by the organizers who were two frenchmen um, and they took this uh, cardu fest to quite a few venues including in france and portugal and i think some other places that were not in france but somewhere other country and they asked us to go out um to be a sort of mini scratch orchestra uh well, they asked Stefan Selkin and me to go out and they had already asked Keith Rowe um, to perform to a, a sort of mini scratch orchestra concert.
0: OK, so we'll listen to a little bit of that. So
1: it's then. only the three of us. OK,
0: we'll come back. So we were just listening to that recording with yes. three members of the Scratch Orchestra. Tell us a bit about who was playing.
1: Well, it was a very lovely weekend. We were um, flown out at their expense, Stefan and I, well, and I suppose Keith Rowe as well. But uh, we were staying in a very lovely hotel and we loved Porto. It was such a nice place. And um, the performance, they took over... Um, For the whole weekend, this fest, they took over the ground floor of a bank, which is like a giant foyer. So the bank wasn't there, it was just like a grand entrance hall, very, very big, um, and quite echoey. So the acoustics were strange, but it was a, a huge space. They had a very big audience, and at one point there was questions and answers, but we played three different pieces Um and one of them was what is known as a popular classic and that's because the Scratch Orchestra used to do a popular classic in every single concert and... Um, Uh, It might have been a page out of Beethoven or something or other and everybody did it in their own way, in their own time and made a terrible mess of it. Uh, And so one of the pieces we played at Porto was a popular classic and um, uh, it was... I was very against this but I don't know if it was Stefan or or Keith who chose it and it was I'm going on a summer holiday by Cliff Richard. <laughs> oh my uh, I really wanted Beethoven or something but I wasn't going to get it because uh, they dictated to me. So one of the pieces was that and the other the piece you just heard I think is where we each played a different piece and I think I was playing just on the banjo. Uh, notes and they were real notes uh, from a piece of music by Hugh Shrapnel where I think it's called Rain or Raining and there's lots of little tiny fragments of, of notes and which I was trying to play them all and I was because I'm not very good at doing proper notes in that way, reading from notation, I was doing it quite slowly and Hugh said I could do it slowly, but in actual fact, if it was raindrops, I suspect they ought to have been played a lot faster okay. than what I was doing. <laughs> um, Keith was playing, as he usually does, he has a table full of electronics, and he and sometimes he plays bits of recordings of whatever, music and stuff, or radio sounds. Um, so he's making some... Uh, um, electronic kind of noises. Stefan was probably doing something moving around because he's a performer, and so I I don't know if you can the actually sound. yeah the I don't sound know if you Stefan. the sound of Stefan sometimes he's very noisy indeed he throws things around but I don't know if he does on that extract.
0: <laughs> so um, you've been playing in London for a long time. Do you think the scene has changed Has it evolved?
1: I would say there's a lot more opportunity to listen to improvised music. Perhaps almost every night you could find some, um, and you can perform in it too. There's a lot of openings where you can make you can go and join in. Um, but I think there wasn't in those early days. It was just something very strange, and people like A.M.M. Eddie Prevo and the A.M.M. Um, They were doing quite a lot of performing before the Scratch Orchestra, before the experimental music class. Uh, They were performing quite a lot, but I was not uh, aware that that was going on at the time. And then when we were part of the Scratch, there were places where you could go and hear music or be invited to play, uh, but not as much. And... I think it was just most uncommon, even amongst the elite, as it were, the people who were playing it. I don't think there was much happening.
0: And the thing I've noticed at the Horse Music Club and various other places, there are still a lot of visual artists who play music. Like you were saying, in Cardew's class, there are a lot of artists. Yes. There
1: is a crossover. Do you think there still is? I do think there is. Um, I have been playing with quite a small group, maybe up to 20 people at the most, um, which was initiated originally by Stefan. He wanted to do a performance of John Cage songbooks, and he had three or four, or maybe five or six, scratch orchestra people who still wanted to perform. And we all put the word out, and he wanted people who could sing, um, because there's quite a few... Um, straight singing really in in the songbooks um, although you don't have to sing we found people uh, one or two people who came along from Eddie's Improv uh, Friday nights uh, other people who I knew outside of the Scratch Orchestra um, who came along and that made a nice group of new younger enthusiasts and us old Scratch people and we did the songbooks we performed it twice and it was very exciting. The end of last year we put on a performance of a scratch orchestra publication called Nature Study Notes, a lot of improvisation rights, And we did that about three weeks ago at Cafe Oto. I'm not answering your question. <laughs> um, the question was, yes, there are still, because in within that group there are I think just as many people who are who do other things. They are not musicians or professionals, but they uh, are involved with performance and uh, other things. So I think, yes, it's still, I don't know if it's to do with uh, graphic scores, that you can interpret them any way you want, so you don't need to be a musician. Uh, So that works for the nature study notes, uh, which if they are not graphic, uh, which they're not, but they're instructions and they're not notated. They are just instructions to perform this or that action okay. with or without music.
0: So the people who you collaborated with on that, who weren't with the Scratch Orchestra, um, are they people you've met recently?
1: Such lovely people. The ones who were, uh, who have stayed with the group over the last three years since the Cage Songbooks um, and a few more new ones, this time round with the... Nature Study Notes.
0: And who were the musicians who were involved with that?
1: Um, well, Jane Alden um, with her vocal constructivists. Uh, she didn't have them with her for um, the things we've been doing. Um, she came on her own, or she may have had one of her vocal constructivists with her, um, but it wasn't a vocal constructivist occasion. So, <laughs> but Jane Alden, I consider that she's... Well, she's a professor of music after all. And then there's Hugh Shrapnel from the Scratch Orchestra, who is a musician. Yeah.
0: Well, we're going to listen to another recording, actually, of of somebody that you've played with recently, and that's through Eddie Prever.
1: His improvisation... Um, workshop that is Friday nights, it still happens on Friday nights, this is where I have met Hutch. Yes, it's Uh, where we met. And (laughs) and lots of really lovely people too.
0: 15, 16 years has it been going? He's been,
1: it's been going that long.
0: And uh, Did you meet someone there that you played on this recording
1: with? Eddie had a Monday night, one one Monday of the month at Cafe Oto and he would ask one of the improvisers the Friday improvisers to organize that evening so whoever he asked would then ask two or three or four or six um people to come along and perform and he would either well, they'd all perform together or in groups did you ever get asked I
0: did it a few yeah a couple yeah. of years ago yes yeah.
1: and this was a couple of years ago the performance that I'm remembering um and there must have been five or six of us throughout the evening, but my turn was with David O'Connor, and so it was just him and me. And he's playing.
0: I think saxophons. he plays a, a,
1: a saxophone, doesn't he? And you're playing. No. And I'm playing a sorted this and that.
0: <laughs> okay, well, we'll have a little listen to that. <laughs>
1: I'm a little bit of a fool. I'm a little bit of a fool.
0: That was the performance at Cafe Otto
1: yes. um, with
0: yourself, Carol yeah. Finer, and um Dave O'Connor.
1: Yes, indeed. Nice nice man, plays lovely stuff. Uh I enjoyed that playing with him. Um I do find it's quite difficult when there's just two of you. Uh and you kind of if it's even more than two, it's still I get terribly worried when it should finish. I never know when you're supposed to be finished and I know I was worrying, um, with David O'Connor and I kind of indicated to him that I thought I'd finished, um, earlier than he wanted to. So I yeah. talked about it with him afterwards, um, but I suddenly thought I'm out staying my welcome, you know. I. I get nervous, I get panicked. <laughs>
0: How long were you playing for? You I think? think
1: it's only about twenty minutes. and yeah. uh, I played on another occasion at the cafeoto with um with Eddie, and we went on a lot longer and um I don't know why that was. I think I thought I'll wait until Eddie decides it's the end, and he'll give me a wink or something, which he didn't do. so we went on a lot longer, <laughs> but if you're not. Used to people, it's quite hard to improvise, isn't it? Especially if it's a duo. Yeah, and you've got an audience in there as well, Mm. and I do think that does interfere. Uh, I don't know if you do, Hutch. I mean, when you're playing in Eddie's Friday night improv, you you know that it's all right. You can make it, you can do what you want. It's a workshop
0: rather than a performance. You're allowed.
1: But, and it, I think some people think that it should be the same when you're performing, if it's Cafe Ota or wherever it is. Uh, but I'm not so sure.
0: It does, it's you, a different oh, dynamic, audience, yes. Don't you? Well, that's interesting that you're saying that. Yeah. Because perhaps people do have a view of, that they're just playing. Yes. And there happens to be an audience. But yeah, the fact that you feel.
1: I do feel an obligation. Um, and it's interesting, all the whole business of improvising, I think, I find it very much easier if I have got a piece of music to play, uh, if it, even if it's Treatise, which is a graphic score, um, and within which you have the score, but you can actually... It prompts you to do certain things. And I like to be prompted. I'm not sure that I can kind of do it just off the top of my head, improvising.
0: So, yeah, to actually use a score of yeah, some kind. And but you're still improvising because you're interpreting the score. You're
1: interpreting, so you kind of got an excuse or a reason to do things a certain way. Whereas if you're just purely improvising, then I don't know. I don't know where you go. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. I find it
1: very, very hard.
0: You mentioned treatise.
1: Yes. I've always had a score uh, ever since those early days, and I have listened to it a lot of times. Uh, Amm doing it and other people doing it, um, but I really and I have read it. I read it because it's the most exciting graphic thing. Cornelius
0: Cardew. Yes, yes. Um, It's it's yeah.
1: and it's 193 pages, and you can read it like a book, and um, it's a bit like if you if you've got cookery books. I don't know if you ever do this. You read recipes. And you don't want to to actually cook them, you just enjoy reading them. And it's It is beautiful. <laughs> I know that um treatise is a little bit more um <laughs> um special than a recipe, but um it's just, just nice to browse through it and so I'm ever so familiar with it. Right. But I don't think I've ever played it.
0: Okay, so this will be a first time. I think
1: it will be. Yeah.
0: And this is going to be in Greenwich, and there's... I feel
1: quite honoured, really. Yes.
0: How many of us are there?
1: (laughs) I think there's up to 40, um, because um, I had David Ryan, who's organising it, on my radio show on last Friday, and um, and he said it was about 40 people. We had a very good discussion, and we played a few recordings of other people's versions, uh, including a really strange version that... Uh, Michael Chant put my way, he said, to look for it, and it's called the Harsh Sound Version. And I forget the man's name, but um, he has just run the entire score on a continuous sort of thing. I don't know how he's done it. He's run it through a particular synthesising programme. And so the the synthesised programme is... Making the sounds that it reads on the score, so oh. it's entirely so fictitious. It's a
0: it's a, yes,
1: it's t- entirely done by a computer. Uh, on YouTube, yeah. it's about a, an hour long. The score goes through very quickly because an hour is what sixty minutes, and it's a hundred and ninety-three pages, yes. so it's going through very quickly. Um, and he said he was very surprised at the end. It, the harsh sounds I suppose he thought it might be a bit gentler but it's quite uh, it's quite harsh
0: (laughs) it'll be interesting so other future collaborations do you have anything that you're thinking of doing well
1: I've got a feeling that um, Stefan's group that he set up to do the songbooks and to do the nature study notes I think Stefan's wanting to step down so uh, I thought well maybe I'll step up But I need to have something that we do next. Um, That what I thought was because I'm getting very inspired by Treatise, is that we we did a a visual version. What would that involve? Well, I don't know because it would be there would be sounds, but there don't have to be sounds because you can perform that score. I think you can perform that score, and there's going to be sounds when you perform. But I mean by acting it, by by dancing it, by pirouetting in the circles. So I don't know. I want to put it to the group that if they think it might be possible.
0: So that could be a collaboration of, of performers, like visual performers? Yes,
1: visual performers. And I wouldn't want to sacrifice the sounds, because I think you have to have sound, but I think it would be primarily to do with performing well you should do this <laughs>
0: that sounds like a really good idea and you'll be calling out for dancers.
1: yes and, uh, a call for dancers, indeed <sighs> because what i want to find is a reason for us to stay together and do something else yeah and to do it in a whole different way might be quite something so i'm i'm thinking about it
0: that's great we haven't really talked about your Resonance show. Have you got anything uh, coming up that's Well, um, inspiring? I've been
1: incredibly lazy about getting uh, guests in, which is silly because if I don't have a guest, then I have to do all the work myself <laughs> and present a show. I'm stuck on my own. And uh, I think it's time that uh, Hutch came back with your friend Sue. You've been on the programme before. That's true. So, uh, we
0: could do a little horse music club.
1: Um, yes. So I think when when we're finished talking on here, we're going to negotiate a date because it would be very nice. And I've got to start getting. I think the word is proactive, okay. and get a few guests involved so that I don't have so much hard work to do.
0: And have you got any new instruments that you've discovered uh, lately? Or
1: I haven't been playing that strange jumbush instrument that I had from Turkey. Oh. I've I've abandoned that for the moment. Um, I'm only really playing the banjo and um, a few little toys and percussive things. Um, and I have been making recordings, uh, but I've used them up because I, I went to the northeast states of India um, throughout January, and uh, I actually only did one show uh, because I didn't find a lot to record. But I do like to go out and about and and make recordings of my own and use them on the show. Of the
0: recordings of what, exactly?
1: Wherever I go, if I'm in India or Mexico or wherever, um, train journeys, um, things like that, uh, bus rides. Uh, you know, you can't always get music because you don't find it. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so I did have some music, but not a lot. Um uh, well, birdsong, rain... You... OK, so
0: do, how would you describe the recordings? Are they soundscapes? Or...
1: I call them field recordings um, and because I don't do anything with them except just play them straight. I think if I made a soundscape, it would be more like a uh, a composition and I'm really would quite... I'm a bit f- afraid to do a sound composition, okay. um, but I would like to. I've never really done that. So
0: that's another project. I
1: think it's another project, to do a sound composition. Uh, And I I have to say, I'm a terrible amateur. I used GarageBand. That's um... not amateur. It's great. (laughs) I think that's what children use, (laughs) uh, little kids. But um, it's the only one I can kind of understand. Uh, So... Uh, I know that if I put a lot of sound recordings on different tracks and then stop them and start them, uh, I really should do that. I actually would love to do that.
0: That's lovely. Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you. And we're just going to play out with a recording of a live performance of myself, Carol Feiner and Sue Lynch as the source Trio. Thanks for listening.